Alright, do you have an opening bit? Because uh, I have, I have, I might have something minor. Oh, please do. I have nothing. So. Is that. What's in your cup? Coffee. No, but like, what's the image in your cup? Oh, it's. Uh, is that like a. It's me, Ace, and Biscuit. That is so cool. Yeah, I bought Nikki. How did you get that? Nikki got it for me for Father's Day. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, because uh, for it does look like it's it's, it's weird because it's you from behind, but it does look like you from behind. Yeah. No. Okay. So that's that's <laughs> yeah. So okay. So uh, for the fir Nikki's first Mother's Day, right after we got Ace, I got her a mug that had her and Ace on it, and then the following year we had biscuits. Yeah. So I got her one with Ace and biscuit. This past year, she finally found a spot. Like she had been looking every single year to try and find me one because I liked them, but they only had yeah. women on the mugs. She finally found one that had guys on it. This is dog dad. That is so cool, yeah. and that is so millennial of you too to call yourself to to celebrate Mother and Father's Day, even though you only have dogs. <laughs> that is so cool. With, <laughs> Very millennial. Of you. No, no, considering the amount of money we've spent on Ace and Biscuit, as far as medical bills are concerned, they're fucking kids. They might as well be your children. Exactly. Yeah. Like between food bills, medical bills, like the toys that we buy them, the treats. I sh when I I, yeah. I make jokes that they eat better than most people. I'm not joking. They eat like when we have salmon, they each have a little bit of salmon. When we have burgers, they each get a meat patty and bake it. Like they have eggs. Like they eat better than like a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know if that's a proud thing, but yeah, I am. Um, no, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're like, yeah. it's funny because Ace is from the streets, and now I'm like, man, like, buddy, you've come so far. <laughs> um, oh god but no but nah, that's good, that's good shout stuff. out to all yeah. the dog parents okay out there. well sh shout out shout out to to all the dogs out there uh adopt don't buy um what was the bit you wanted to do sorry no no you're good no all right fuck i'm including this this is, this is a nice little conversation to have yeah um yeah, so yeah, I, yeah i don't know if you're aware of this or not but uh so a certain billionaire is just uh retired from from his job. Do you know about this? No. Which one? What, do you know about the scan? Okay. Wait. Do you know about the Vince McMahon like sex scandal right now? Which who? Do you, Vince McMahon, the the owner. Oh, Vince McMahon. Oh, I I heard like a little bit of it, and then I remember sending y'all a meme about it, and then I just never heard of it of it again. So Holy what happened now? Shit. Okay. It's about to be story time, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is an Elvis review, but we're about yeah. to have a mini documentary. So, <clears throat> all right, go ahead, go ahead. So, uh, earlier this year, news broke that Vince McMahon had paid a woman uh, essentially $3 million to. Apparently, they had a consensual affair. I'm going to use the quotation marks because some people uh, believe that it was 100% consensual. It was like a business transaction. Uh, others believe that maybe she felt forced into it because, hey, you know, I'm paying you two, I'm paying you 100 grand. Sleep with me. Which also, coincidentally, you know, her salary doubled after the affair began. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, so, yeah. this happened. The end of the relationship. Uh, she signed a $3 million NDA, but it was leaked that that happened. Apparently, a friend of hers leaked it to the board of directors and some other people. Now, it's come out that Vince uh, had slept with, I think, like four other women, and he's paid a total of $12 million of his own personal money in hush money to these women. The thing is, one of them is alleged was allegedly a WWE diva who said that Vince propositioned her for oral sex. And when he tried to push it even further, she was like, no, he didn't re-sign her in 2008, her contract. 
uh, her and his, her, her lawyers and him kind of settled out for a million dollar payday, but nonetheless, it's very scummy. All that combined has has broken a windstorm that basically Vince McMahon was forced to retire. Forced. Not willingly, forced. Because it was always a joke for wrestling fans, Vince is going to die at the wheel. He was never going to retire. He was going to just die and be like, oh shit, WWE needs someone to run it. Now he's alive, but not doing anything anymore for the company. Supposedly. But, okay. but you need to understand, this is a man... One, he owns a vast majority stock of WWE. I think he owns like 60%. But also remember, this is a dude who has owned this company for over 40 years. He didn't, like, his dad didn't give it to him. He bought it off his father and ruthlessly destroyed every other pro wrestling company on the planet. Like, this man is a savage. And the fact that he was booted out not by corporate sponsors, he wasn't booted out by, um by wrestlers or, or the company going under the thing that killed him the thing that that beat him was essentially a sex scandal which is the most Vince McMahon thing that could have happened to him like this is how he dies like this is how he he leaves WWE in disgrace cool man cool well what a great moment to just you know just go to AEW like just like you know what? Uh, you know what? Uh, let's jump ship. Let's just go over there. No, that's the thing, though, man. He's leaving WWE in some pretty rough, rough shape because the top two guys are both part timers, Roman and Brock, and then they don't have any great like young stars that that are up and coming. Um, their ratings are sinking. The ratings have been progressively going down for twenty years. Like it's not a good boat right now. So, yeah, man, I flipped my shit when I found out yesterday. I found out at work, I was on Facebook, <laughs> and I actually yelled, what the fuck? I was alone, there was no one in the office, I was by myself. But still, like, on my phone, what the fuck? And yeah, Vince, Vince has been forced to retire. He says that he's choosing... He says that it's a choice, no would, it's not. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if they don't turn this into a, into a storyline. That's what everyone else is saying. <laughs> They're like, are they going to turn this into a storyline? <laughs> But no, man. Because, like, remember when... Remember... I, I, I forgot who the wrestlers were, but, like, remember when two wrestlers were... They made it a storyline that who, that they, they were going to have a fight and whoever won kept, kept like, a child? When, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. A ladder match for the yeah, custody like, of Dominic. Yeah, like, whoever won kept, kept custody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would be shocked if they don't turn this into a, in, in, into a storyline. Into... A, into <laughs> yeah, they, they just... Just, just weave it in. And the fucking nuts part yeah. is the fact that that was actually a really, really good match. It was actually a really good ladder match. <laughs> actually, I think Eddie Guerrero even said, like, I think, or Rey Mysterio said that that was his favorite match ever. Because of how much fun it was. Like, it was so <laughs> stupidly bonkers fun. And his son was even involved. <laughs> that same kid, by the way, Dominic Mysterio, that same kid is actually in WWE right now, professional wrestling. He's been tag team champions with his dad, actually. No way. <laughs> he made his wrestling debut when he was eight years old, bro. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, sorry, folks. Uh, in case you couldn't tell, I'm a wrestling fan. Alright. Uh, yeah. Alright. <clears throat> Thank you very much for welcoming us into your headphones. My name is Chema. Oh, and I've been Eddie. 
and the, reviewing Elvis. And this, this is the is rollback. The rollback. <laughs> so the man, the legend, the king of rock and roll. The life story of Elvis Presley as seen through the complicated relationship with his enigmatic manager, Colonel Tom Parker. So this is the new Bass Lurman movie about the life of legendary rock and roll singer Elvis Presley, starring Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, and a bunch of other people. So um, just a heads up, uh, I'm not using the soundboard in this episode because kind of crashed and I'm still working on it, <laughs> but it'll be back. Don't worry. It'll be back. Uh, but just today, normal, normal, clean episode. Um, so uh, you saw this before I did, and I'll be honest, I was not excited to see it. I was not looking forward to this because Bas Lerman is a very... Uh, I, I have a very complicated relationship with Lerman because I love his style, but I don't think his projects have fit his style so far. Mm -hmm. The movie that I've seen from him that I think fit his style the most was his, ver was his version of Romeo and Juliet, um, which is the movie from him that I like the most. Oh, he made that uh, one? Yeah, I like... Yeah, I, li I like R Romeo plus Juliet. I thought... Uh, I genuinely think that none of the actors knew what the fuck they were saying because they kept the original text, but it kind of worked. I feel, I feel like Shakespeare would would have been that kind of dramatic as pretentious uh, filmmaker, and, 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 and I think it fit. Um, but then we have... The, but then, you know, he, had, he did... Uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Gatsby. Uh, the one with... Aaron, yeah, he did, he did Gatsby. Uh, he did... Uh, he did I'm shocked. Oh God, what else? He did a red. Uh, which one was that called? The one with the the, the musical. Which one? The red something. The, uh, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. He did. He did, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did, he did Moulin Rouge, and he did Australia, which nobody saw. So, that's his history. Like I said, I'm only a fan of one of his movies, and this is the second one. I actually enjoyed this one. I thought the style was gonna be very overbearing. No, it actually was a nice, decent marriage between the story and the style. And I walked, and after I bought the tickets, I realized that the movie was two hours and 40 minutes, and I was not looking forward to it. And then when it ended, I was like, that didn't feel like two hours and 40 minutes. That was, uh, th th that went pretty well. Right. So it wasn't I'm a little wishy washy on it. It wasn't terrible, but it, it was long. Like, I walked in at six, I walked out at nine. Um,. And also, like, before before we start, like, the actual, actual review, uh, when the movie ended, some people in my theater clapped, and I just want to tell you, go home. Like, don't bring that shit into, into the theater. Calm, calm the fuck down. Austin Butler and Tom Hanks were not here. Like, relax. But yeah, that's, that's, what I, that, that's my opening statement. Go ahead. How, you know, if this, how is it that it's been almost 10 years since the guy directed the film? How did he get this, like, project off the fucking ground? I'm shocked. I'm genuinely surprised at that. Um, okay. I think COVID intervened also. So, okay, there's a lot to unpack in this one. Actually, initially, I didn't like the style at first, like in the very beginning. I'm glad that they calmed down on the transition, like the weird camera, drone, not drone, but like, you know what I'm saying. I like that they calmed down from that mm -hmm. early on because that was making me dizzy. I was like, geez, like, is this going to be the style? Because I'm going to hate it if it is. But they calmed down. Um... Yeah, so this film, it's not your typical biopic. It, it goes through the someone through the lens of, of Colonel uh, Tom Parker. Disgraced Tom Parker. I'm sorry, the dude was never a colonel. Um, and his relationship with Elvis Presley. And man, from beginning to end. One, it was weird to see Tom Hanks in a villain role. It was weird to, to be rooting against Tom Hanks. Like, it, it, it was just odd for me. Um, but Austin Butler... 
I'll be honest with you. I'm. I would be shocked if him and Hanks don't get uh, Oscar nominations for this film. For this film, for as well as they act. Tom Hanks or or Austin Butler. Uh, no, both. Both. Maybe. Maybe uh, Tom Hanks both. as a supporting role, but I, I. Austin Butler deserves at the very least, I think, a nomination, because the. Because the thing is, when you're when you're acting uh, in this capacity for Elvis Presley, you're not just mimicking his his voice. You're mimicking his dance, his speech pattern, the the, the delivery. Like there was so much to it. Yeah. Um, I would be shocked if he doesn't at least get an Oscar nomination for this role. Um, but but I think uh, yeah. No, I was gonna say like like this film did a lot to I think go into the backstory. And to be clear, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. I'm not a historical Elvis like I'm not super knowledgeable to a point where I can say. This is wrong. This is right. I can do that for anything in wrestling, but when it comes to like Elvis mm-hmm. Presley, I have to take this at face value. Okay, um, I, I I'm not on a, I'm not on a different boat than you. I know Elvis Presley from just a cultural osmosis. Like everything I know about Elvis, I learned it against my will, <laughs> like because it's just so like engraved in all of uh, of history and, and like uh, cult- like pop culture. So uh, everything that I know about Elvis, I know it through there. I've never seen a documentary or a movie or, or, or anything. Like everything I know, I, I knew it from like someone else telling me or me figuring out for something else. Of course, I've, I've, I've listened to his music. It's, it's, it's ever present. You can't really uh, escape it. Um, this movie didn't make me like love his music. Like I already liked like a couple of his songs, but it wasn't like... Remember when, when, we, when we all walked out out of Bohemian Rhapsody and we were all like, I want to listen to some Queen for like the next two weeks. Like, yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't the same, um, but uh, I, I don't think the movie wanted that. I think the movie just just wanted to portray like his life in a very like colorful, flashy kind of way. In the same way that like his movies used to be, and I think if he did that on purpose, I think it it worked. Um, I have I I have only one problem with this movie what is- because it is in. In all of its, in all of it, in, in, in everything that that, that, that it, everything that it sets out to do, it does it right, and that's not a complaint. You know, congratulations to like the directors, producers, everyone involved, uh, because I think it's a really well done piece of media. However, there's one problem, because all of this rock music biopics are overshadowed by one big figure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every time that I see one of these movies, I just think of that one, and this one falls short. Okay? Do you know what movie I'm talking about? No. You don't have an idea? No. You gotta try to walk hard, because the Dewey Cox story is the best example of one of these movies that somehow killed this genre, okay? I cannot watch any rock uh, biopic or, or any musician's biopic because I immediately think of Walk Hard. I immediately think of John C. Riley. <laughs> like, everything. Everything from him, like, humble beginnings to getting the wife to divorcing the wife to meeting other famous rock stars to all of it. I just think back of that and I think, God damn it, Walk Hard did this. And I cannot take it seriously because of that. It's like it's it was the movie that killed that genre. That's why we that's why we didn't have them for so long. 
and now because it's weird like ever since Bohemian Rhapsody came out every time they, they make a rock biopic everyone's like is this the new Bohemian Rhapsody it's like Bohemian Rhapsody it's not like Bohemian Rhapsody Bohemian Rhapsody was not the first one this is like the 17th version of Walk Hard that we've ever seen and I hate it it's it's so bad it's so sad because now every time I see one of these I just think of I just think of John C. Reilly and I can and I, sadly I cannot take it seriously so I don't know. It's not the movie's fault. Like I said, I want to judge it as what it is, but I just think of that, and it's so unfair. <laughs> you know, I'm actually looking it up right now. Yeah, he took notable inspiration from everyone from Hank Williams and Brian Wilson, James Brown. Yeah, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, yeah. Bob Dylan, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, Jim Morrison. Have they, yeah. have they ever done a Jimi Hendrix biopic? Yeah, well... Not a biopic, but they did one. They did one where it's like a couple of days of his life. They should really do a full biopic. But no, okay. So and it's so the yeah. film starts. Um, technically, the film actually starts with Colonel Tom Parker on his deathbed after suffering a stroke and his gambling addiction, and he's looking back on his life yeah. and whatnot. But fuck that guy. I want to talk about the actual beginning, where uh, we go to um, to Elvis's mo- mother. Who actually who gave birth to twins? Yeah. One of the boys sadly passed away, and she used to say, you know, Elvis, uh, her son Elvis has the strength of two men because brother. Um, and we see his first yeah. performance. You know, it, there's a rumor about this kid, this this Anglo kid, because unfortunately at the time skin color mattered. Uh, but they're yeah. talking about this Anglo kid that can play rock and roll really well, that sings differently, he moves differently, he acts differently. So the colonel goes to see him yeah. play in this theater. And initially, the theater's, I don't want to say hostile, but like, oh, who's this, you know, I think they call him a fairy at one point, like, you know, cut your hair fairy, something like that. Um, yeah. But Elvis then proceeds to just go off on this whole crowd, just with his music, his gyrating, the, the way he dances, the way he moves, his voice, and you see, like, all the girls in the crowd, and even some of the boys are like, holy shit, this guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's also back then, and I didn't, I, I never really thought about this. Back then, music shows you had to go in person to really attend to listen to music. Radio, although it was prevalent, it wasn't as big of a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so to go and watch the show and like, you know, watch this kid live perform, and he's a kid at the time. He's like what, maybe like 16, 17 when all this goes down. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then from there he goes. He joins this uh, this traveling band uh, with I think ha- uh, Hank Snow, and Hank Snow, yeah. It, everything it just goes from there. Yeah, there's uh there's some really good use of like uh, of cinematography and how they move to tell the story. Like I love that uh, the first meeting that Elvis has with uh, with with Tom Parker is at this uh, mirror maze. You know, he's he goes into the mirror maze. He can't really see where he's going, and then he shows up, and that visually is a great use of like uh, metaphoric like imagery. Like uh, he walks in, he's seeing like a ton of versions of of himself. He's seeing a ton of versions of him. You don't know which is the real one. You don't know if he's lying to you, and he gets hired through there uh, because he starts getting big. He starts getting so big throughout these shows that people are going to see him. They're not going to see like the rest of the people on the banner. Um, and that's how they get him. They tell him, like, oh, you're going to be a big star. You're going to be good. You're going to be great. You're going to fly. Um, it needs to only be you. It needs to only be you and your band. And that's how they start moving. That's how they start uh, moving him. And 
uh, it's it starts to get this is where this is another problem I have with the movie it constantly feels like it's in fast forward like when the movie starts and they tell you like uh, and you know you if you know Elvis you know that oh he started as a kid he started doing these dance moves and then people went fucking horny crazy um but when the but the fact that in the first like thirty minutes they're already canceling him because of this of these moves and what he's doing to to America's youth, I was like, this is the first thirty minutes. What the hell? What what else is gonna happen in the next two hours and ten minutes? Like what? What? And yeah, I felt like it was moving a little a, a little fast. Um, and, but it, it caught up. It, it caught up. And that's because this movie's almost three hours long. Like. It, it, yeah. It's a long movie that doesn't that feels like it should have been longer because you're right they should have dealt more with the whole like oh this kid you know what's he thinking or whatever and the part where he's there with his finger of like you know you just want to just wiggle up yeah, pinky and that's just his first move is like yeah and what son um, yeah but no and then so we fast forward he's he's uh you know yeah sex appeal but you know these people uh and by these people i mean these like kind of uptight conservative uh certain people certain individuals um <clears throat> hate his gyrating they hate they feel like he's corrupting america's youth which it's just me they always feel like that there's like every generation there's like something that's like this is the corruption that will destroy this nation it's like no yeah no it's not we, we survived no. before it's fine um and even then and even then like Oh, survivor! Like it really didn't do a lot of damage. Also, oh, also oh, what? So it, so it made, so it made people jerk off a bit. I mean, it's healthy. Like yes, you do you. You, do. you can cut that if you want. I'm sorry. No, you know, you know we're keeping that. But you do you. You do you. Whoever watched Elvis back in the day, you do you. But um, no. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's also heartbreaking yeah. though. Like the relationship he has with his one, he has such a good, great relationship with his mother. Like, like you can tell. Like she, like he loves his mom because. They growing up poor. They only had each other. You know, they only had each other to lean on because his father had to go to jail for a while. Um, yeah. And then Elvis, and I, I think most people can understand this. He wants to bear the weight of his family on his shoulders of like taking care of his mother and his father, wanting to do what any kid I theoretically would want to do. And now he has the ability, and he wants to chase it. But now it feels like everything's like the pressure's on his shoulders now. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And this kid's getting angry. He's lashing out. He has this really piss poor performance with a hound dog. Uh, they're kind of making a fool out of him. And then he decides in one moment to be like, mm, "Fuck this!" And he dances on stage at this at this charity rally. And the cops are are beating up uh, people in the st- in the floor because now they're integrated. Elvis gets uh, yeah. taken off stage and arrested, and they found a way to shut him up. He sent him overseas to Germany for two years. That was the best uh, song and performance I thought of the movie. That uh, the trouble song. If you're looking I for think trouble, that's the one I like the most. That's the one, yeah. Because like it perfectly fit what was happening, and it told a lot, a lot about the narrative. And yeah, I think that was my favorite performance of the movie. Um, looked great too. But yeah, so they sent him to Germany for 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 two years, and that's where he meets uh, just just to like you know have him. You know, shut up for a bit. Uh, that's where he meets his wife, uh, Priscilla, mm-hmm. uh, who was played by uh, what's her name? Olivia de Jong. Ah, Olivia de Jong. Yeah, where have I seen her before? I feel like I've seen her before. Um, 
Well, no, and then he, oh, shit. he arguably one of those heartbreaking and really a moment that I think really did define Elvis's yeah. life from this point onward to a certain degree. His mother passed away from alcoholism due to him not being there. Like, like she's depressed because her oh, yeah. her her baby boy isn't there anymore. Which um, which oh that was that was really sad. Like him crying in her closet, yeah. like like her clothes. Yeah, he's saying that he doesn't want to leave anymore. Yeah, like oh man, like that genuinely heartbreaking. Like yeah. he can't help but feel sorry for the kid. Yeah. And then he, here comes big bad Colonel Tom Parker, just like, let me see how I can make this about me. Let me see, let me see how I can ruin this kid some more and make some more money. Um, yeah, no, so that uh, the, the dramatic scenes are really well done, almost to the point where sometimes there was a, there were a couple times where I believed that, that Tom Parker had really hurt his heart into it. Like that, that's how good of a performer Tom Hanks is. Like you want to believe that he's telling the truth. I put myself into into, into this kid's shoes and I believe him for for a bit. Um, you know, this film actually stole a line from uh, from me because in the in the trailer, the trailer I think is beautiful. It's one of the best trailers I've. I, it's probably a top twenty trailers in, I've ever seen in my life. Um, okay. And but there's a line in the first trailer where that ends with uh, Parker telling Elvis, "You know, we're the same, you and I, two odd and lonely children looking for eternity." I thought going into the yeah. film that Parker was going to be an ally. He was going to be this kid's mentor, like a father figure, like. We're gonna get through this together, son. Like, that's what I yeah. thought it was gonna be. I was like, this is gonna be a good, you know, Tom Hanks is a good dude. No, they went so meta to a point where, because you trust Tom Hanks, he rarely ever plays a bad guy. Rare, rare, rare. So, yeah, for Tom Hanks to pull this 180 on us, even as far as going to playing against character, I think mattered. Yeah, oh. it was done on purpose, definitely. Um, and it was effective because what a slimy little conniving piece of shit he played. Yeah, like dude, I had no idea yeah. about any of this. Like how he he did abuse this kid. He used him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always the manager, whatever. Yeah, because like, did, did you see Love and Mercy? Uh, no. What's that? It's the biopic for Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, and he has a. It's a. It, it's it's similar where he also had like a. He had a therapist that was abusing him and kind of controlling everything, everything about his life. The movie's cool because you see him like young and old, but you see him. But it's played by two different actors. It's really good. Paul Dano, I think, plays uh, oh, plays young Brian Cusack. Wilson. Yeah, John Cusack plays old Brian Wilson. It's really good. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, it's always it's always the mentor. Because like remember when we saw uh, Straight Outta Compton, it was also the the, the fucking the fucking manager. Yeah, it's always the fucking manager. Oh, Paul Giamatti also plays the manager in Love and Mercy. Maybe that was his audition for Straight Outta Compton. He <laughs> was like, yeah, and I think they came out in the same year. So no. yeah, I think he just so Compton he was got the him right there. Year, but yeah, damn. Um, okay. What was I gonna say? But not th this movie. So up until this point, let me ask you a question: Did you feel like you were becoming yeah. an Elvis fan as the movie was progressing? Not in the same way that other biopics made me feel. I was along for the ride, but like like I said before, I didn't come out of the theater like I gotta blast some Elvis. Like also because the versions that they play in the movie are they're diff they're, they're different arrangements. They're, they're not not exactly how how they sound in like the records. Because I've heard the records, so not. 
I wouldn't say that I left this being a bigger Elvis fan, but I did leave with like, oh, I think I appreciate it a, a lot more and I understand his story a lot better, but not, wouldn't say 100% an, an Elvis fan. Had a, had a hell of an ending though. Mm-hmm. One of the, I think one of the best endings that uh, one of these biopics has ever had. Agreed. Um, he, yeah. so uh, another thing before we continue, because uh, we're going to jump into the 60s portion of the film in just a moment. Uh, we want to talk to you about our sponsor today. Yeah. Uh, we ha- I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. No, but oh, I did want to mention something, though. Uh, something that blew my mind. Like, it still blows my mind, but looking back right now, that was the thing of the times. Um, and they were trying to disgrace this kid because he was associating with people of color. Like, like look yeah. at this delinquent associating with these individuals. It's like, like that's... That's... Uh, Dehumanizing is that the like it's why does it that is. matter though? And it was back then. Like yeah. that's but and I know I'm looking at it through like the lenses of today, but it's like how does that matter? Music is music; it transcends. If you like certain yeah. music, why does it matter who's playing it or the color of their skin? You just like it, dance to it, move to it. Music is one of the few universal yeah. languages because a piano sounds the yeah. same to everybody, a guitar sounds the same to everyone. It doesn't matter. Um, and yeah. they didn't shy away from it either. I, I know that there have always been uh, allegations, and I'm not going to go into whether or not he did or he didn't, good thing or bad thing, but Elvis was very strongly, um, uh, not motivated, but influenced by people of color, yeah, by, you know, where he came from, the South. You know, the way they danced, the way pe- individuals moved or sang, he was very influenced by yeah. them. And that's, I don't understand how that's a bad thing. And, and again, there's the arguments yeah. of cultural appropriation and whatnot. I, I'm not equipped to talk about that or go into that, but like they didn't shy away from those aspects. Yeah, um, and they should have, because if they didn't portray them, then the movie wouldn't have been genuine and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have felt proper. Um, that was a big complaint with Bohemian Rhapsody, that, and, and that I agree with. The movie should have been raw. It should, it should have shown uh, way more of the disgusting things that were happening. Oh, well, you know, quote-unquote disgusting things that, that, that were happening. It should have shown a little bit more of the abuse. And there are two, like, extremes. I think the 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 ugliest extreme, I think, is... The, the, do you ever saw the movie The Dirt on Netflix? No. It's the story of Motley Crue. That one, I think, goes too hard. Like, they show them, like, putting needles in, the, in, in their body. Like, like there, there were scenes where I had to, like, look away because it was a little hard to watch. There's a scene where they they're in a pool with uh with uh Ozzy Osbourne, and they and Ozzy goes up to them and be like, and be like give me uh give me the give me the straw I want to bump and and he was like we don't have cocaine with us we don't have like anything like what are you gonna bump he's like just give me the fucking straw so he takes the straw and there's a line of ants going through the pool and he just like snorts it. That is, I think, is the other extreme. Yeah, yeah, and the show it all completely. Yeah. And was he like, they're biting me inside my body, or what the fuck do you do? No, he was like, hell yeah, rock and roll, let's go. Yeah. Did that actually happen? I have no idea, but I don't, I, I don't doubt it. Mother crew went hard. Did um, Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> snort ants through Let's see the results. What does it say? Mm, 
so it depends who you ask, apparently. Uh, guitarist Jake E. Lee says that he saw it happen, although Motley Crue's uh, epic swears that he didn't do it. Motley Crue swears that he didn't do it. So one guy says, I saw him do it. The other one says he didn't. So, eh, we'll see. Um, okay. But yeah, but anyway, so that said... Um, yeah, so I think I think if the movie shies away from those extreme things and how how locally it was seen, uh, the movie wouldn't have been genuine. Yeah. So I think it did needed that as as, as you know as, as horrible as it was, it it needed to be like, shown and it needed to be painted in a horrible light that, that it was because it was wrong then and it's wrong now. Yeah. So yeah, um, so it was painted like that, and you know we see that, that we see Elvis constantly hanging out with a legendary blues guitarist BB King. And you know they have a really nice friendship, and I like how they always uh, went back and forth with each other, and you know it really helped paint the picture of how they got along and how they how they you know work together, and I like that. I think I, I appreciated those moments uh, a lot during the movie. You know, th- there's one missed opportunity that I know for a fact. I wish I could have seen that this film. I wish they had done it, but I understand why they couldn't or if they didn't. There's one. Uh, yeah. There's a famous recording if you'll ever see it. Of Elvis performing with uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, just one time, yeah. one time they were singing a song. They were both in there like some, they're like best or whatever, and they were just like singing along. And I wish they would have shown that, even if it was just like a three-minute scene, because in real life, Frank Sinatra fucking hated Elvis. He hated Elvis with a passion known by few. He despised that young man because. I don't know if it was a cultural thing or because he saw the new kid on the block that was taking away all his attention, but, like, yeah, Sinatra fucking hated this kid, but they convinced him, if you want to keep your popularity, you've got to perform alongside him at this thing, and he was like, fine, I'll fucking do it, but he hated him. Um, yeah. I wish... I, that would have been fun I to wish, see. I wish they would have shown Frank Sinatra in that manner of just being like, fuck this kid. And the blues. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Anyway. Who who would have played Frank Sinatra? I don't know. Uh, That'd be like a fun. Fuck, who could play? Who could play like Frank a fun Sinatra? thing? Um, Seth MacFarlane. Sure, why not? He's got the pipe. He's classically trained. Uh, yeah, like he is classically trained to yeah. be able to sing. Imagine for, um, Seth MacFarlane uh, playing Frank Sinatra for just like two minutes, but like. It would have been it, it. It would have been funny. Like it, it. It would have at least been funny. It would have been like one of those casting choices that just makes a little too much sense. Uh, <laughs> or Michael Bublé. That, 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 that you know what? Yeah, you, you you know what? It probably went through their heads and they, they were and they were like, you know what? Uh, let's just let's just not. It's like uh, remember when when the Joker movie was gonna come out and originally. Uh, Ah, uh, uh, what, what's oh god? What, what was his name? What's Bruce's father's name? Thomas Wayne. Uh, Papa Wayne. Thomas. What? Yeah. Originally, Thomas Wayne was gonna be played by Alec Baldwin, but then they just changed him. Uh, Did they say why? Like that? Uh, because he said that it would have been too much like his Trump impression. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, no. Do it. Yeah. Little on the nose there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I feel like it would have been a little similar to that. Um, that wouldn't become problematic at yeah, all so we s- later on. <laughs> oh God, no, no, no! Gonna, gonna, yeah, gonna, gonna skip that. Um, there's we should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we move. So we move on from you know he's growing up. He marries Priscilla. He has the kid. That uh, that was he becomes a he he comes back from the war. He starts acting in movies, and there's. 
that's another example of like when the movie just starts going into fast forward like it just going starts going really really fast and you know he loses his mom he does like all these movies and he starts you know he's taking care of, of his daughter and like they're trying to work out how they're gonna do because his movies he does too many to the point where like his movies just start bombing and nobody wants to see them anymore and he's like what, what are we gonna do what are we gonna do about money and then right in the middle of that uh, uh, Martin Luther King uh, gets shot and they play that constantly because you know he being he having grown up in that culture and that of course he's he's, he's affected by it he's uh, he he feels attached to it and then he sees this gospel singer that he used to see sing at this uh, where he discovered music and all of that I think is done very effectively I think uh, you really feel how he feels and there's a really tender moment where like he's watching the cert the memorial service. And Priscilla kind of walks in and she goes like, can I watch it with you? And she, she just like sits with her and they're watching it. Together. And I like that scene. I really like scenes like that where you feel that you, uh, after the movie feel, feels like it's in fast forward, that was a nice moment to like stop and like be for a minute. Because like you really feel the empathy for these characters and how and what they're going through. So really effectively, really effective scene, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so I, after the assassinations, um, Elvis kind of, and obviously the movie bombs and all that, and, and you know, these emotional moments. Yeah. He decides he wants to revamp his image. He gets the help of a few individuals, including Billy from Stranger Things, to yeah. completely change it up, and he has a, a Christmas special. Um, but this Christmas special also enables him to to do new things, you know, bring in the Kung Fu Fighters, bring in the, the, the Whorehouse Girls and whatever, and do, do this and do that to try these new things and experiment and inevitably it works and at the very end of the special he ends up doing this this protest song not this protest song but like a I don't say feel good either but just, he talks about the hard things going on in the world at the moment you know in his white suit with his red yeah. tie or you know whatnot. yeah Christmassy but still and it feels like a moment where like I can only imagine what it was like to watch that live hmm. uh I agree. Um, I agree. really everything about the the making of the special, I think, was was really well done. And so I went to see this movie with my sister, and she has a big crush on Billy from Stranger Things. Like that's like her celebrity crush. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was like, I want to see the movie because I I don't know anything about Elvis, but I want to see it because of him. And I was and I was like, you do realize it's gonna be in the movie for like two minutes? And she's like, yes, I don't care. I want to go see it for those two minutes. He was in the movie for like longer than I thought he was gonna be. Like he was, uh, he was a little longer, and he was great. I think uh, his his pattern of speaking did took me out a little bit because I believe he's Australian, mm-hmm. so he's doing an American accent, and he, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I got used to see him, seeing him in Stranger Things and Power Rangers, but like I don't know, something about it like kind of took me out a, a little bit of the era. But he was fine either way. Um, it's, it's not like a Cardi Smith McPhee situation where I feel like he fits on on any on any age. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was great, um, and I like how he like subtly told Colonel Parker to like, oh fuck off!" Like like every time that he would tell him like, "Play the play the Santa Claus song," like, he'll be like, "All right, bring the whorehouses, bring the whorehouse dancers." Yeah. <laughs> like like he would just like outly uh like reject everything that he would say he just he was in control of the situation he was it was it was it wasn't a dick swing competition but it was it was like no like this is my production your ass is not your old ass is not gonna get in my way 
Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just here to do my job, man. Yeah. What's it called? And and it's a big success, and Elvis's image is revitalized. And then he wants to go on a world tour. And, you know, they're talking about, we can go to Japan, we can go to Europe, we can do this, we can do this. We find out why. Because Parker uh, is a non-citizen. He's essentially an illegal immigrant. He's not able to travel to go abroad. He can't get a passport. He doesn't want to go overseas, or he can't. He does it under the guise of security reasons. But he tricks Elvis into arguably the most famous and volatile part of his life, his Vegas residency. Um, initially it's only supposed Um, to be six weeks but gets extended yeah it just keeps extending it keeps extending and he and Elvis thinks that he's gonna he's gonna be done and that he can leave and you can tell that well while he does put a lot of energy into that performance you can tell that he does it because he he doesn't want to disappoint his audience he feels that responsibility but he just looks miserable like he you can tell he just he doesn't want to do this uh, and he gets tired, and he start, and that's when he starts, you know, getting bloated. And that's another part where I felt like it was it was going smoothly, and then it broke that thing where it went into fast forward again because I, I feel like he starts cheating and using drugs too fast. Like we don't see it, like like uh, like we we see this small this small scene at the, at the start when when he starts going on the road where, where they give him like a pill of ecstasy just just so we can keep going. But they don't touch that again until like the th- almost the, almost the third hour of the movie, mm-hmm. and I I don't know that's that that I thought was like the biggest problem that, that, that I have with the movie is that it had scenes where it just kept going too fast, and like his wife being like I don't care that you're with this woman I don't care about any of that I care that you're using these drugs and that you're not present for your daughter's life, and uh, that also like I feel like they get they get split up too fast, and. Um, I don't know why. I thought he was at the hotel, but then it turns out he's in Graceland. Weirdly. He's, like, and going back and forth between the two, I think. Because I think the, yeah. the way the residency works yeah. is you put in, like, two months on, one month off, or something like that. Um, okay. But the thing is, though, um, is, like, initially, his residency, he's really excited. He's, like, six weeks of shows, and then you can go abroad. Hell yeah, but I'm going to need, you know, yeah. whatever I want. And Parker tells him, they'll pay for anything, my boy, I swear. So he gets a choir, he gets uh, uh, trumpet players, violins, he gets, you know, a gospel band in the corner. Like, he gets, like, the works, right? right? And he has so much fun. You can tell he's enjoying himself because he's making this new way of performing and doing this and doing that and whatnot. And uh, initially he's enjoying himself, but then, but then, uh, everything hits the fan from him being tricked into a long-term residency, um... Him doesn't he? I think he has an episode right where they actually their doctor gives him drugs and and uh, yeah that's the point where he almost passes out yeah yeah and they're like give him something to the most important thing is that Elvis gets up on that stage tonight and the lady yeah. who vaguely resembles Elvis's mom even says like he was my son I take him to the hospital they look to the father yeah. like what do you want to do and he's like what do you think we should do Parker like like be a fucking father man like that's your son yeah like. Like, okay, I don't mean to get personal when I say this, but look, my my grandmother still looks at my father yeah. as her baby boy. He she will still straight up yeah. tell him he, my father is in his uh, mid to late fifties, and she will still tell him, yeah. "You look thin. You should eat more." Because that's her son, <laughs> and she loves him. This is your boy. He just collapsed. No, I'll get him on stage. What? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, I can't do with stupid yeah. people, man. I'm sorry. I can't. I have a hard time doing that. Yeah. No. 
random, but you just reminded me of that scene from uh, from uh, I think it was Justice League, the animated series, where like or uh, uh, maybe the New Adventures of Superman, but like he goes up to his mom. And, he, and his mom is like, you look thin, you should eat more. And he's like, mom, I'm Superman. And she, and she goes, and I'm your mother. Yeah. Like, you just, you just reminded me of that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think, yeah, you think you're right from just like, but yeah, like, like, yeah. where's your compassion for your child, you piece of shit? Um, because they didn't saw a kid. They saw a, a big cash, a, a big bag of money. So, also, yeah. I don't mean to sound like a monster when I say this, but maybe they should take this into consideration. If he is your big payday and your big like payday of money, maybe you should do what Tom Brady you does want him and to protect last. him. <laughs> protect him. You know why Tom Brady is plays so well at his age? Because he protects himself. Oh hey, my boy just collapsed. We should get him to the hospital. That way he can perform tomorrow, motherfucker. Like, even in yeah. a business perspective, they're stupid. Yeah. Uh, Look, I don't usually stand for 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 uh, for that guy, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, fuck Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> what? I'll say it. I don't care. You don't like? Why don't? I'm not. Why, a, why do you not like Tom Brady? You know how there's like there's athletes that are so good they can be a little cocky. Yeah. He's not one of them. <laughs> he doesn't have charisma. But he has, like, what, seven Super Bowl rings or six? Freddie will kill me because I don't know. But he has some... You know what he also has? He has he, he has two votes for Trump. That, that That's also what he has. Oh, Jesus. Fair enough. Fair enough. You want to defend that? You want to defend I that? I can't okay. defend that. I didn't even know that he did. <laughs> did he? <laughs> I know... I mean, he went... I know Bill Belichick did. I know that for a fact. I saw... Look, I don't love Bill Belichick either, but you saw what he did... With Trump? No. So, so you know the the Presidential Medal of Freedom? Yeah. So, on Trump's last like like uh, last session when he was gonna give them out, he uh, he was he said that he was gonna give one to Big Belichick, and Belichick said like "fuck no, fuck you, I don't want it if it's if it's from you." But I feel like he did that after the fact when he knew he was gonna lose or like like. A- absolutely. After the riot, was it after January sixth? Yes, absolutely. See, I feel like yeah, that's I mean, why it was, like, it was bad press. Yeah, like like it didn't he didn't yeah. do it because like of moral reasons. I feel like he did that because it's like, dude, you're gonna kill myself. Image, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Ironically, mm-hmm. in that same session where he gave the, the, those last medal, medal of freedoms, he also gave one posthumously to Elvis Presley. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I want to talk about that real quick. I think that's one reason why Elvis is such a big deal is because it's not necessarily only because like he was great, which he was, to be fair, but he was also yeah. like the first love of a lot of the boomers when they were kids, when yeah. they were you know ten, fifteen, you know years old. He was their first crush. Yeah. They elevated him in that capacity. You take the Jonas Brothers, throw them at that time period, they would probably be considered one of the greatest bands of all time because. All my childhood memories bring them back. Let me spend more money on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was that image. He was that image that even young boys could be like, "Oh, this is like peak man. This is what what John Cena was to like our generation." <laughs> yeah, it's fucking true. He's been immortalized in memes, hasn't he? He's been immortalized. Exactly. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Did you see what random uh, random? I know I I I know I keep spiraling, but I just keep remembering things. Did you see that interview that John Cena had with that with that old lady? No. So he, he had this interview with like this grandma. I, I don't know exactly why, but they they, they, they they like sat down and were talking. And the grandma t- tells him like, "I was talking with my with with my great great granddaughter about you that I was gonna meet you." And she told me, "Oh, well, hopefully you do see him because you might not see him." What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did John start laughing, or was he like, "What the fuck"? Yeah, and then he has to like be patient enough to explain the whole "you can't see me" thing to this old woman. It was kind of lovely, not gonna lie. That's kind of hard yeah. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Okay, coming back to Elvis. Yeah, so we see, so he gets stuck at this at this residency, and he can't leave. And he, and you know, we see everything that is offered to, to Tom Parker, and then finally Elvis finds out, and he exposes him in the middle of his show, and. He's forced in a situation where he can't leave. He's stuck in this like super uber toxic work relationship with this guy, and he, to the point where he just starts losing himself. You know, they mentioned that he is not the same as he was. That he starts gaining weight, and that's that's when we see him. You know, as we see saw him at the end of his life. One of the first instances when I saw Elvis Presley was that when, when I was a kid, and like we first got a computer and we first got internet. Um, you know how people used to just email things to each other? Well, uh, we still email things to each other, but you know, th- that's where we found like videos and stuff, like people emailing them. Yeah. And I remember my pa- my parents got this email of like, Elvis's last performance. And it's this performance, it's the one where he sang Unchained Melody. And I remember seeing it and just being like, this is, and seeing this man that was like so, I, I didn't understand how everything bad that had happened to him, but I think it finally connected to when I was a kid and I saw that performance. Because I was like, okay, so he, he looks like sad when he's singing, but why is he so sad? And then I saw this movie and I'm like, oh, that's why he was so sad. <laughs> and that's why that song made so much sense. Yeah. Well, it's also nuts because he... And, and so right before he does Unchained Melody, he has a moment where, you know, that's when the whole breakdown happens of his marriage and the drugs and everything. He tries to leave Parker, but... Uh, he's forced, you know, either you pay me $8.5 million or, uh, or you know, I'll sue you into the ground. He lashes out, you know, he's yeah. like, Dad, pay him. And it's like, son, we're broke. Like, we don't have any money. How the fuck can we be broke? I've done so many shows. You keep spending. You're supposed to... That's why you never hire family, folks, by the way. You never hire family. You never hire family. Yeah. But um, he's breaking down... Uh, he's depending more on the drugs and the pills and the shots and everything. And he confesses. And I, I can't speak for everyone. I can speak for myself when I say this. I kind of understand. Uh, he expresses his greatest fear to Priscilla, to, to his ex-wife, and says his greatest fear is that no one will ever remember him after he's gone. And I kind of get it. But, sir, yeah, do you know who the fuck you are? You're Elvis goddamn Presley. Um... Uh, and yeah, we get that incredible performance of Unchained Melody, which they actually put Austin Butler in in like the suit with the makeup and everything, and it was he was actually singing it. And then we get this yeah. beautiful montage of Elvis's life in the public eye, you know, of this great redone because uh, it was HD. The video was HD, if you notice that. So they read they yeah. touch up all this it looked really good, audio yeah. and video stuff and these pictures, and you see his his life and his impact on cultural mainstream and everything and it's just this beautiful moment with this great song mm-hmm. yeah 
it like I said, it was good ending. It was a really good ending. I think uh, these movies need to end strong. And that last performance, well, I think it was a little short. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't expect like a Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, final concert scene. But it was really well done. It was just incredibly well shot. And it almost took me a second to realize, hey, that's, that's, that's the real life footage. That's not him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it, it ends with like the little epitaph of like, you know, Carnal Tom Parker died, you know, poor and alone and and shit and uh and yay that's that's great like uh and of course we have like the one scene where like elvis says like no one's gonna remember me no one's gonna remember me uh but then you know of course of course we remember him of course we know who he is i mean yeah i mean most of us thought he was a made-up singer for little and stitch but then turns out oh he's actually real yeah um and he's the (laughs) highest selling uh solo artist in history solo artist yeah yeah, so yeah, of course we remember him to the point where we made you know movies like this. So I think I think his uh, his legacy is well is well touched is is well kept. Uh, Priscilla and and Lisa Marie I think are still alive. Um, from what I've heard, uh, Lisa Marie married at some uh, married four times. At some point, she married Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. So that's it's an interesting piece of trivia to have in your mind for the rest of your life. And uh, and I think she's the only heir to to Elvis estate, so that's that's good for her. Uh, I will be thinking of that every time that I listen to one of his songs on Spotify. So you know, not gonna lie, I, um, I kind of want them to actually do like a full on uh, a full on like blood paternity test across the country. I think he might have a few kids somewhere. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's possible. I would. Would you be? I, mean, I would. It's wouldn't. possible. I wouldn't be surprised either, but yeah. So that's uh, that's Elvis. That's Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. I think uh, my second favorite out of his movies, besides still Romeo and Romeo plus Juliet, just because I love how insane that fucking movie is. Uh, this one I think was made more for the general audience. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up at the Oscars, but I would be surprised if it wins anything because uh, while I do think it's good. I can't disassociate it from the fact that we had a lot of these movies and the fact that Walkhard Dewey Cox story kind of overshadows all but see what other like major biopics have we had because I can only think of Straight Outta Compton Bohemian Rhapsody and this one like good ones anyway Rocket Man you didn't saw Rocket Man I didn't see Rocket Man but I want to though I liked it more than Bohemian Rhapsody so I have to see Rocket Man now okay fair enough uh, I know it has Egerton in it so I'm in yeah, um, I mean, they're good. Just, uh, you know, you just got to watch them. Uh, the Doors one is really good with Jim Morrison. Uh, you, if you want to consider 8 Mile a biopic, I think you can. Uh, uh, there's a David Bowie one coming up, but I don't know how good it's going to be. Um, La Bamba is one I grew up watching. Uh, Ray. About Ray Charles was really good, uh, I and, and I think Ray, it got Jamie uh, Foxx the, the Oscar. Did he win the uh, Academy Award for that one? I think, yeah, he won. He won the Oscar for that. Uh, oh, there was one a of my favorites movie. is I'm Not There. It was called Stardust. I, 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 I think it's not out yet. Or was no, it released it? in 2020. I don't know. Oh shit! Then I, then I never saw it, uh, which sucks because like I love David Bowie, but I'm ugh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, I like the one about John Lennon. I like the Nowhere Boy, but it's just him as a kid. Hmm. And yeah, so there's uh yeah, there's, there's tons. 
If you want to, if you want to go a rock biopic, there's there, there's a ton. Okay, wait, no, they're doing. So I'm sorry. Okay, so that first film was just a uh, a one time film that was about his first tour. They are doing something called Moon Age Daydream. It's a full film based on his career from beginning to end that will include never presented porting footage. Da, da, da. First posthumously film about Dave Bowie, approved by his estate, spending five years of production. It will be released in the spring of 2023. So let's see how it goes. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So, uh, final thoughts on this film? It's good. <laughs> it's uh, it's good. It's long. That's that's I think uh, a big a, a bigger thing. Uh, it's long. You do have to like put put time away to see it. I got I like I got off work and I immediately went to see it and I came back and I collapsed into bed. <laughs> Um, and then I processed it, I think, next morning. Um, but good. Definitely not. Definitely better than I thought it was going to be. And, yeah, if you don't know anything about Elvis, I think this is a good introduction. And, yeah, it's good. It, it won't... It, it, I don't want to compare it to anything else because it's not fair. But it didn't make me want to, like, go blast Elvis music afterward. It, it, it was good while I was watching it. But after seeing it, I'm like, oh, that was a good experience. Don't know if I'll watch it again. Mm-hmm. But good while I was watching it. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, no, I, mean, I liked it actually quite a bit. Um, I, I put out uh, a post the other day where I mentioned last week I discovered Dave Chappelle. This week I discovered Elvis. I can't wait yeah. to see what I discover next week because I had never really taken the time to listen to Elvis's music. Like I, I only like that one song, uh, "Great Balls of Fire." I think from is that what's called from Lilo and Stitch? That's that's Jerry Lee Lewis, but yeah. no, 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 uh, that's Elvis. Are you sure? Which which one from the stage from the, 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 the one from the end credits? The, um, your love will take me higher. Something is a fire. Oh, burning love. Sorry, it was burning love. That's the song. Burning love. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, no, Great, Great balls of fire is a, it's a song that, uh, oh, that's, that oh, they play in top. That's Gun. a completely different song. My yeah. bad. I got the titles mixed. I know what song I was thinking of. I just couldn't remember the title <laughs> of it. Sorry, burning love. But yeah, I only knew yeah. that one song from Elvis, so I never really bothered to like listen to his stuff. But I found myself during this like like uh, movie like shaking like shaking my foot up and down like oh man this one is actually pretty good old music doesn't always suck um, and I can speak for the crowd <laughs> yeah. at least that I was with that I I looked around now I do that like I actually look around at the crowd and I see some of them are like bumping to the music like nodding their heads or like they were feeling it yeah like you know like it's it's good music so I don't know. I, yeah. Mostly good things to say. Was it a little long? Yeah, but I wouldn't have minded this if the movie was longer. We got more in depth uh, to it. It never dragged for me. Um, I always felt like it, yeah, was, on, I agree. it was on a good pace. It, like you said, it feels like it speeds by some certain things. Maybe it could have been longer. Like, imagine a four hour cut of this film, but it goes into everything. Oh, oh I'd watch Jesus. that. Jesus. It's just uh, maybe bitch. once. Chapter one. <laughs> Growing up, <laughs> chapter two, the fame. I think uh, here's why, I, and, and that's why I think that if they make like real life stories, they should be like miniseries. Like I cannot wait for them to. My dream project would be make like an eight episode miniseries on like the whole story of the Beatles. Like that would be that would be my Justice League Zack Snyder's version. Okay, and each episode like, that would, long. That would be. Yes, I would go insane for that because I'm a huge Beatles fan. So mm-hmm. that I think would would drive me crazy. Um, 
but yeah, but that's that's the thing mostly what I have to say. Uh, when it comes to me and, and, and his music, I am for the rest of my life tied to one Elvis song because of one little incident which you were a part of. And yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. St story for another day. But yeah, so I can, so I, you know, I, I am tied to it and I did enjoy it, but I, uh, this is a good movie, not a great movie, but maybe it's because I'm, maybe I'm spoiled right now because I, w I right now I'm in my weird shit era. Like I, like I, like I, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll see the Elvis movie. I cannot fucking wait to see Nope. Like that's, that's like how, how I'm feeling right now. Is that a next so, movie? Because I'm watching it today. Yeah, I uh, I don't know when it's coming out here. I don't think this week is, so maybe like next week. Um, but I'll let you know nope. because yeah, if if you go watch it, like yeah, enjoy it. I'll I'll tell you when it comes August out. August yeah. twenty fifth. It comes out in a month. What the fuck? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you when it comes out. Well, I don't know. I'm going there next weekend. Maybe I can go see it. I can go see it. I was gonna say like we can we can make arrangements. Which can't wait to see you next week, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, here it says... Yeah, August 25th. Oh, uh, what's Bullet Train coming out? Because I think uh, I think that one's... That's the one that's coming out next year. Bullet. Yeah, next week. Because uh, August 3rd is, is when Bullet Train comes out here. It comes out August 5th over here. Oh. You want to do that one next, and then we can do Nope? Wait, no, but won't it be too late? For bullet train doesn't come out. It doesn't come out next week. It comes out the week after that. Oh. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll talk about. There's also the gray man. We could do that's a, that's one in the pocket if we need it. Yeah, let's do. Let's just do that. Yeah, I am not looking forward to the gray. It's not bad. I don't know what, uh, what bad things you've heard, but that's for next week. Yeah, we'll we'll do that when we do that. All right. Um, score. Score, I would say A minus. Like, will I watch it again? Probably. Like, maybe not in theaters. Like, this is not a, this is not a theater film. This is a good like set back and relax yeah. film. Six point eight out of ten for me. Six point eight. It's it's all right. Yeah, it's it's passable. It's all right. It's just not something that I would watch on the regular. It, it's a it's a one and done for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think think that about wraps it up. I. Uh, believe that's it thank you thank you so much for watching my my name was Chema I've been Eddie and this was the robot with a with a subtle reminder to make sure you check your bag every time you leave McDonald's because you'd be surprised how often they fuck up your order what what did they fuck up bye everybody